This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey there, everyone. Thanks for coming back to the Inhumane Podcast, a Hot Pie Media Original. And we are here on episode eight, part two of Stakeholders, It Starts With You. And we are coming back with Karen Wiseman, the executive director of Five Stones Foundation out of Fort Worth, Texas. If you have not listened to episode one, you need to scroll back because you don't really want to miss that. It really starts with um, how she started with her small group. And Stakeholders, It Starts With You. We're going to get started with her right now. On the last episode, since we're picking up where we left off, um, one of the things you mentioned is, hey, you know, we started off small and it's morphed into so much bigger things because they're like, oh, Karen's here again. She's not going away. We can trust her. And that's. That I always joke when people, uh, they're like, oh gosh, here's the human trafficking lady, the anti-human trafficking lady, Antoinette, she's coming, run, <laughs> right? They're like, run. But I think so many people, especially in 2020, right? Everyone's calling you, right? Like nonstop. Um, but that's what we need. We need to show that consistency. So I think when we're, when the, a listener is saying, hey, I really want to help and I don't know where to help, but we're telling them, hey, start getting some training, right? Start learning about what human trafficking is. If you could elaborate, like, what is the importance of being consistent, patient, <laughs> and the time that it makes, like, to actually make a difference and an impact that from just your experience? Yes, Number one, I think it takes time to build those relationships and build the trust with the other people in the group or okay. the, the people that are actively supporting the, the survivors. Mm -hmm. They need to know they can trust you. They need to know that you've put in the work, that, you, that you're trained, um, that you're serious, that um, you, you bring something to the table. Yeah. So I, I think it, it it's just going to, especially if you're like me and come from the finance world and you step into human traffic knowing absolutely nothing. Right. So you can't start out day one being any kind of expert or really of much value other than um, you're bringing your heart and you just, you just have to go through that that process, like you say, it's a slow methodical process to, yeah. to learn what you need to know and to build a trust with the other, other people in the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's beautifully stated. Thank you. Um, so I think the other thing, right, is, so if someone's listening, they're like, oh, well, Karen comes from the private sector and she comes from corporate, you know, finance. It has to be really smart people in finance or they have, you know, resources of a lot of money. Right. So I can't do that because I only, you know, do this. So talk to the listeners right now and tell them about every skill set and experience and background is needed. Can Absolutely. you share something? Um, I can't think of any skill set that's not needed. Mm. Uh, say your background is marketing. So all of these organizations need help. 
marketing um, to raise funds, or they put together um, fundraising events and maybe they need help, you know, organizing a party. If you're a party planner, mm-hmm. there's a space for you. Um, if if you have a printing company, you know, yeah. you can print print um, brochures or publications. Um, if you're good at training, um, mm-hmm. you can go get trained and then you can become a trainer and train other people about sex trafficking, go into schools and give presentations. We have um, a lady that was in that Bible study I, I mentioned in the first episode that she went and got trained and then now she can train other people on on trafficking. Um, there's just so many um, you can lead a support. You can go to a support group. So they have, they'll have um, groups where they'll teach a skill to mm-hmm. the survivors, um, like teach yes. them Excel. So, if, mm-hmm. hey, if you're a whiz at Excel, you can teach somebody a new skill that right. would help them in their employment. Or if you're an employer, you can hire some of these people once they um, get mm-hmm. you know, trained and have gone through their counseling and their program and are in a good place. Yeah. Like those are beautiful examples. And that's what I'm like, whatever your profession is, we need you. That yes. That's just it. Oh, we will you, yeah, that's exactly. You do what? Okay. We need you. That's it. This plain and yeah. simple. I'm like, oh, you're 75 and you're retired. We need you. <laughs> you're a stay at home mom. Oh, we need you. Like that's, yes. that's just it. Yeah. We just need you because we can apply whatever skill set you have, whether it's professional or not. And we right. can transfer that over. Um, I mean, on the prevention side, right? You need so many mentors to mentor, you know, at-risk kids or not even at-risk kids. Uh, To me, every child is at risk, right? Because they're not fully developed. So these predators manipulate them. Um, And I don't mean that to be little young, uh, you know, young people at all whatsoever. It's just, that's why they're predators. They That's why they're preying on the young and they're not preying on the much more experienced and seasoned, right? So- That's just a factor. We need all of you. Now, I'd like to just transfer real quick about, so you've been part of this task force for many years. Y'all have done some great work. um, And one of them is how you actually, it was the Metro. Can we talk about the, can you talk about the public? Yeah. Can you talk about the public transportation? Like, what focus, why you honed in in that space real quick? Yeah. So um, I think it was maybe 30% of the victims, um, child victims, are they use public transportation to go to their different appointments. Um, several years ago, I had lunch with the head of Trinity Metro, and I was just wanted to talk to him about sex trafficking in Fort Worth and see if we could maybe train some of the bus drivers. Mm-hmm. And he said, Oh, I can tell you exactly where it happens. They're putting the kids on the bus at this bus stop. And there's a pimp downtown at the hotels and he meets the child, takes them to their appointment in the hotel. Yeah. But he said, we can't have police stationed at all of the bus stops. Right. So um, he was um, very open to 
getting training for the, the bus drivers and helping out. So then he left and I have another friend who just happened to go to work there in their finance department that mm. I knew from the finance world. And so uh, early this year, we took him to lunch and said, okay, we need your help. We need to get these um, play cards in, the, in all of your buses yeah. telling kids about. So one of our um, organizations had just opened up a new um, drop-in center called the Underground. Mm -hmm. So prior to this, when they rescued kids out of sex trafficking, they had nowhere to put them. So they would send them to juvenile detention. Not ideal. You're right. going to traumatize the child all over again, but it's safe. It's They're protected there. Um, so now we have the drop-in center. So we really wanted to advertise that, that for these kids that are, you know, being moved around on the buses. Mm -hmm. Hey, all you have to do is go to bus stop number one, hop off the bus. There's help. Yeah. Um, there. Like it was and specific that, direction. Like it was yeah. speaking to them. This is a place that they attend. They frequent using public transportation and yes. boom, they, here's a safe space for you to go and to, right? You can get resources. You can get it, grab a meal and mm -hmm. take a shower, go to bed, you know, go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, there's people there, whatever resources you need, mm -hmm. they're there to help you and it's safe. Yeah. So, yes. And so um, he was able to help us get those placards in every bus in Fort Worth. So um, my, my question, um, when you spoke to the head of Metro and he said, oh yeah, I can tell you where they are, right? Because obviously it's not that he's there, but more likely as people report it. At the time, had they had anything in place or had they received any training at all whatsoever of, of, of your knowledge? Not at that time. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really know how to handle it. I mean, sure. they knew it was happening. Yeah. They knew where it was, but they didn't really. And some of the bus drivers would even try to call the police. But of course, by the time the police got there, they were long gone and Fair. it just wasn't effective. Right. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So now they've had the training. They know who to call. They yeah. um because we actually have a, a human trafficking unit within the Fort Worth Police Department. Mm -hmm. And we may not have had it at that time, or it was like half a person. Now right. it's actually a unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that conversation uh, with Felicia as well. It was like, we had one person, the end. <laughs> that was it. Um, so that right there, right? And I want the, I, I really want the, our listeners to understand is all day long when we say that they're hiding in plain sight, that mm -hmm. is a perfect example. Yes. Your dad, your uncle, your cousin, your neighbor, um, the guy that you, you know, sits next to you in the chair at the barber shop or the hairdresser is working as a bus driver. And they see things in their community, in their route. They may not know what it is exactly. They may think it's prostitution or they must think that person's really young and this is not okay or what have you, but I don't know what to do. Or I did call, but like you said, maybe by the time they got there, right, nothing happened. It just wasn't effective. So this is a prime example from episode one when I said, you know, 
who, or maybe it was this episode, who do we need, right? We need you. It doesn't matter uh, what your profession is. We need you because you are seeing things, but maybe nobody asked you, or maybe you couldn't articulate, or the only thing you knew to do wasn't as effective. And that happens, as you and I know, all day long. We have this great, I mean, I'm sure the individual who was, you know, head of Metro, great guy, he got there, obviously, because he could do his job, but that wasn't part of his job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, doing anything for human trafficking, victim, that's not part of his job. So he doesn't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And this is something that y'all created and the, um, and they're called cab cards. And I remember their pictures. So almost like where the handles are on the bus, right? Mm-hmm. They're all along those lines and they're directing people um, to go to the underground where it is a safe space. The human trafficking hotline number is there. Um, does it does it tell them it's a I know it says underground. So what does it read? Oh, drop in center. Right. It tells them that. Oh, there it is. Rest, shower, eat, get help. Brilliant. Bro. So just like what Karen was saying, if you're like in marketing, we needed a marketing person to come up with that, right? Rest, shower, eat, get help. Done. Yeah. Like period, 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 period. And it, it gave them a, a place instead of saying, I want to escape, but I have no idea where to go. And they will find me, right? Like yeah. very similar. And I, and I know people can always wrap their mind around it is you know, when someone is running from their domestic, par- their partner who is abusive, right? And they're trying to escape them, but they're like, I have nowhere to go. I'm not going to go to a homeless shelter, right? Things happen there or what have you. Um, very similar. They don't know where to go. So here, our, our victims, they know where to go in Fort Worth if they're on a, on a bus line. And so it's brilliant. I loved, um, I remember getting that from you and I was just like, oh. That is so, so great. And think about it. If across the United States, right? Okay, Texas. Let's just say Texas because we're both here. Just if we did that at every public transportation, right, that's available, if we had that, and if there was a drop-in center across the board, what would that do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even... I'm trying to imagine right now just because I, I I thought about this question, but what would that look like, right? If it was across the state of Texas and then if it spread throughout the United States, if we had that, if they, if the victims had that available to them, yes, you're talking, maybe it wouldn't take seven times for them to try to leave the life, right? It may take them only once. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, We'll have a link to it. Um, but is there somewhere people can see those pictures by chance or like the anything uh, about the cab cards? There might be something on the unbound now. Okay. Org. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unbound is the one that mm-hmm. sponsor, sponsors it. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I just loved it. I think all transportation systems. And then when you get to the East coast, if they had that on their subways, right. Um, geez, that would just be magnificent. Um, okay. I have, I'd like to then now kind of transition into you, you, you helped 
partake in the Five Stone uh, Task Force. And now that has led to the Five Stone Foundation. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that if you don't, if you don't mind. Yes. So our task force, um, we have a, a steering committee and I'm on that steering committee for the Five Stones Task Force. Okay. And so we've been talking about, you know, what are, what are some of the greatest needs? And of course, the organizations need funding. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But the Fort Worth Police Department, they can't go out and ask the community for funds for, you know, these different that'd be a That'd be a big yeah. no-no. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Community, you know, you can't yeah. raise taxes to necessarily to do a lot of this. So we decided, what if we started a foundation? Mm-hmm. So we started that process last year, um, started the foundation. Uh, and since I don't work for law enforcement or a church, uh, they made me president kind of by default because <laughs> I can go out and ask for money. And I, even though um, I'm normally a shy and very quiet person, I have no problem speaking out about sex trafficking and asking people for money to help these kiddos. Yeah. And so we, we started the foundation. We've done all the paperwork. Uh, we've submitted our application for our 501c3 and um, it, we're still waiting on that at this point, but hope to have it pretty shortly. But that said, we've already raised um, over $125,000 um, in pledges. So as soon as we get that yeah. 501c3, we can start collecting money. And my goal is a million dollars the first year. So beautiful goal. I love that. And it's amazing. Uh, and I think this is a, and it, you know, a testament to community, right? When, when you really talk to your community about the issues that are going around in their area, that even though we may think we live in this bubble or we think, Hey, you know, the pandemic has hit my finances or whatever the case may be. Um, People aren't donating at this time. Again, when people are passionate, they will, shift money around or they won't go to Starbucks for a month and they'll donate those hundred dollars because I'm pretty sure a lot of people spend at least a hundred dollars a month on Starbucks. Uh, It's easy to do. Right. So um, and then they're like, here you go. Here's my pledge. Right. Of a hundred dollars a month. I'd rather forego that now that I know and my eyes are open that this is happening in my community and you've been able to do that. Um, how many months do you think it it's taking you to get that those pledges of that of that amount? Say that again. Three months. That's what I thought because when when we talked in uh, like December or uh, I think we talked in January, yeah, last. Um, I don't think we had that, and so yeah, so that like just think about that. That's February, March, April. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. So when people are like, oh, this might not be a good time for me to start my nonprofit or um, thinking about mm, maybe I can't donate money. Look at that. That mm-hmm. is amazing. So kudos to you guys, because the hard work, that consistency, 
the patience, right? And the relationships that y'all have taken the time to build. And that, I think that last part is the key, right? Is people will give you the shirt off their back if they believe that you are that person that's going to get things done and you're going to stay consistent to the cause, right? And that you're listening to survivors and other agencies on what is the need and fulfilling those needs. So that's amazing. Congratulations for those pledges. And we're just waiting for IRS to get back into the office so they can sign off on y'all's docs, right? (laughs) Seems so simple, yet it's like such a hard delay. Um, so that's awesome. Um, so I think with this foundation, um, let's talk about a couple of things. So one of y'all's, if people want to be part of the foundation, so when you're raising money to help, right, other entities, uh, do what it is that they need to do, but you are trying to educate Tarrant County, right, which is the Fort Worth area, issues of sex trafficking, which obviously helps with prevention, which that is a huge piece that all of the community, no matter your background or age, can get involved. And that's what we need. We need children to understand trafficking more and more. Um, you're training, right, people to recognize a an actual victim. And what is the other thing? Oh, I think the big thing you said, because this is, involves a lot of churches, right, is if they want to partake, they have to start talking about trafficking or maybe sex in the pulpit. Can you explain that one? So one of the things um, I've started doing is going around and talking to churches and churches need to understand the issue. Um, They need to know how, like if a victim presents themselves at a, at a church, Mm -hmm. for example, we had over in, um, Arlington, one of our churches had a victim literally present during the service, mm-hmm. their 11 o'clock service. They saw the doors were open. The people looked friendly. They ran in literally trying to escape their trafficker. Wow. Uh, the church leadership said, help me. They didn't know what to do with this person. Yeah. They didn't know who to call or how to help her. And there was a policeman on duty. So they sent the girl to the policeman. He wasn't sure what to do or how to help, but his sister was a part of our Five Stones task force. And so he said, let me call her. She (laughs) know what to do. And so he did. He called his sister. She came and was able to help the girl. But I thought, okay, how many churches are not going to have a policeman whose sister is on the task force? So they need to know if you get a victim, you know, here's who you can call and we will come and help you. Mm-hmm. You know, we take over from there. All you have to do is refer the victim to us. Yeah. And we want them to be able, when they're making that outcry, we want to be able to step in right then and help mm-hmm. and provide services. We also want churches to discuss this issue from the pulpit because Um, If it's a very large church, we can't even have a victim who um, or a survivor who's, you know, receiving services. They literally cannot walk into a large church because there's the potential they'll be faced with their Johns, the very men that purchased them. So they have to be pretty far along in their treatment before they can do that. 
Mm-hmm. So we want those, and we know that because they tell us. So we want churches addressing the issue from the pulpit. Yeah. And these men have a problem and they need help. And we can't make it so shameful mm. that they won't come forth and ask for help. Yeah. So we want churches to address it, let them know, hey, here's where you can get some help if, if you suffer from this issue. Um, one of our um, organizations here in Fort Worth is called MACE, Men Against Sexual Exploitation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they do is they post ads um, posing as women or children. Mm-hmm. And the men call in and then they tell them, oh, we're not actually, you know, a 17-year-old girl. We're MACE and we know yeah. you have a problem. Would you like some help? And about 30 to 40% of them say, Yes, I, I I do have a problem and I would like to get some help. Mm-hmm. So churches need to be offering that help because if they don't, I, I don't know where these men are going to get help. Fair. Um, yeah. Because society just doesn't really talk about mm-hmm. the addiction. Right. Yeah, that's 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 completely fair. And we just did a couple of episodes and it there it was called It Ain't Your Daddy's Porn. Um, because, and it really talks about what the addiction actually does to our brain. And, and I, and I believe in studies are showing, right. That that's why we're getting a lot more actual pedophiles. It's not that this person ever wanted to harm a child or do anything with the child, but that porn takes them to another level and they have to get more and more and more, uh, that dopamine. And all of a sudden, every time they're on like this child you know, sexual search. They're like, I don't even know how I got here. Like, I have no idea. And I think it's really important, right? To hear that. that Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. One of the churches I spoke to when he said, what is causing, you know, he didn't understand sex. He didn't know about the child sex trafficking. He's, he asked me what causes this. And I said, it starts with porn. And he literally went white because he said, that's the number one issue facing our college students is because by the time they, I mean, they start viewing porn when they're around 10 or 12 years old. And by the time they get to college, they're full blown addicts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I love that your focus is to help, um, you know, leadership of churches to say, Hey, you may not know how to talk about this. Here we are. We're providing resources. Um, there are resources out there. We know that they're fairly new, right? Because this addiction has blown up like so fast and people weren't understanding it and they still don't understand it as well as the huge normalization and making uh, porn such posh and sexy pop culture and things like that. So that's another thing that we're fighting, right? And so then people are thinking, oh, well, it's not wrong. But like you just stated, when we have survivors, they believe they're healed or they're on their journey and they want to go to a church, but then they walk in and they see someone who's purchased them because they're still living in their community. And to believe that we don't have anybody going to that congregation that doesn't watch porn or purchase sex is, is false because we live in this kind of world. And so if we're talking about it and we're providing resources and eliminating that shame, um, then we're going to get people help 
before they even try to make a purchase, right? Before, so that they can stop at that level one, you know, watching of porn or, or something along those lines. Um, now, when you do talk to a lot of other, right, organizations, anti-human trafficking organizations, they talk really big about shaming, right? And shaming our Johns and shaming uh, the buyers. And I think they believe that that is the only way to stop the demand. Um, you know, I'm all about making men our allies um, because I, I wholeheartedly believe, not all, not all at, I'm not saying 100%, but I do believe a good majority of buyers that are specifically males, they don't know that these individuals are trafficked. Like, right? Like people are not understanding that. They believe, well, this person chose to be here and they don't understand exploitation and things of that nature. So if we're educating from all areas, and hitting them at all angles, I do believe that men are going to think twice and they're going to be like, oh, that person is trafficked. And I heard about human trafficking. Nope. No, thank you. I thought this was somebody's choice. Right. So it's partnering with them instead of just making them the bad, the bad guy. Um, because if we don't address the demand side of this equation, yeah, we're going to have an endless supply of victims. I mean, at some point we've yes, ma'am. got get a handle on the demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so I have another question for you because we're on, on, on this, this path. Now, what would you say to someone who doesn't want to affiliate themselves with a nonprofit um, because it is based on Christian principles? Um, and I think, I think a lot of Christian nonprofits or congregations, right? It's not popular. It's, it's not sexy, actually. Um, it's not part of pop culture, right? And we get a bad rap. So um, what would you say, right? Because people believe, and I hear it all day long when I'm talking to um, other organizations across the United States, and they're just like, Christians really should not attach themselves with any um, survivor, or be able to talk to survivors or victims because they're just going to put their religion upon them. So what I will say in working with survivors, um, the only ones that are able to successfully overcome the trauma of what they have lived through are survivors who um, adopt like a faith that have a faith aspect to their recovery. Um, now you can you can try to do it without it. I, the organizations are not going to force it down their throat and yeah. force somebody to become a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much all of our organizations do have some faith background. And they are Christians. And I think it's just part of Christianity that um, causes us to want to reach out and help these people um, who are in this situation. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I mean, just thinking about our group, I can't really think of any organizations that aren't founded in Christian principles. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. like we said, you know, they're not going to force you to become a Christian or to receive services or to receive help. And mm-hmm. uh, we have mentors that walk alongside the people. And um, 
they're just friends. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just trying to offer, you know, help and, and friendship. And that, and that's, that's what we're called to do. That's so good. I love that part. It's like, Hey, we're really here as a friend and to provide whatever resources, conversation and ear of listening. Right. That's what we're here to do. And I, I think at least I know the conversations that I have, I said, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody in any of these Christian organizations that are like, Hey, you have to, we're going to talk about God all day long. Like that's not it at all. It's more like modeling that behavior. Right. But not talking about it. I mean, really these survivors, when, especially if they're, um, say late teens, early twenties, they don't know how to even live life. They've never been allowed to make a single decision for themselves. Cause most, right. most of the women who are trafficked, they started when they were 10, 12, 14 mm-hmm. years old. So they started as a child and they just, um, you know, got older. Right. So most of them, they, like I say, they've never been allowed to make a single decision. They've been told, this is what you'll wear. This is where what you will eat. This is who you will sleep with. This is how long you get yeah. to sleep. So now they're freed from that and they're told, okay, you know, you get to decide. They don't know how to do that. Absolutely. And that's where the advocates really come in. It's basically just helping them live life and, mm-hmm. you know, make good decisions. Yeah. Actual skills, right? Like life skills that they haven't had the opportunity to do. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Um, So as we wrap up, I'd really like for you, your thoughts on this, on this last question. So with, with, with all of us being in lockdown and quarantine and no one really meeting. And so you got all these right meetup groups, whether some in person, but majority online or Bible study groups, like at yourself or life group. Um, what would you say, right. To encourage others so that they can start taking action to either stop human trafficking altogether or partake in some way. What is the power of a small group? Oh my gosh, it is so powerful. Um, I would say, first of all, educate yourself. Understand what the problem is. And in your community, understand like who are the players, what's being done, who, you know, um, of course, law enforcement is involved, but there's usually other organizations. There is always, even though we've been in lockdown, um, I've been as busy as ever the last year right. because they're still rescuing kids out of trafficking. Right. Uh, those kids still need clothes. The survivors still need um, notes of encouragement. This is their self-esteem is just so low as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, even just, you know, writing notes and sending them um yeah. So, you know, to the organization or law enforcement or putting together survivor bags. Mm-hmm. Um, like when the women are rescued, you know, they might, they need like shampoo, hand lotion, all the things a woman needs. Right. Um, just put in a little bag so that, you know, they have something. So there, there are a lot of ways that still, even in lockdown, um, we're able to touch the survivors. So. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Karen. You're everything that you've just been doing. Um, that consistency, right? I cannot say enough about the power of consistency. And like, sometimes we feel like we're by ourselves, but in reality, we have so many people we can lean on that are in the same space as us because we keep showing up. And I thank you and your small group for showing up and getting educated on it. And now y'all have done amazing with your Five Stone Task Force and now the Five Stone Foundation. So if people want to find you, um, can you just tell everyone real quick, what is the Five Stone uh, website or how they can Uh, follow you? Five Stone, I believe it's fivestones.org. And or you can just Google Five Stones Task Force in Fort Worth and it will come up. Um, Or they can contact me directly. I would be happy to help somebody in another community if they want to get involved or um, they just want to chat about, you know, how do we start? Um, Happy to help. Oh, thank you for that. Because you're right. Listening to this, it really is. Everything is duplicatable and you Mm -hmm. just tweak it to your environment. And we're going to bring you on again to talk specifically about that because I loved what you did in the other state. So we'll, we'll circle back and bring you on board straight up for that. Cause I think that's again, super powerful and can help our listeners really take action. So thank you so much again for coming on. We're very, very grateful. Thank you so much for having me, Antoinette. I appreciate it. So we want to thank Karen for coming on board and our call to action for these past two episodes of episode seven and eight stakeholders. It starts with you is just like her. I really think it's important for you to search like prostitution or any child uh, porn or human trafficking arrests that are happening in your area. When you discover what it means to you, right? And because we don't want any of that to happen in our area. Um, Usually that's kind of what builds that fire in us, right? To take action. So I'd love for you to do that. I think it's extremely important so you understand what human trafficking is in your space and to keep in mind that it is still a highly underreported crime, right? Because it's so hard with force, fraud, and coercion. Um, And many don't self-identify, but just look around in places where you're going to vacation since summer's coming up, things of that nature. And just a tip, do not search right before bed. (laughs) Like set a timer while you're doing it and just breathe, like really practice some breathing because it can be very overwhelming. And it can also trigger, you know, some things of people's past. So don't do it before bed. Set a timer. Give yourself like 10 minutes to search maybe the first time and and don't go down rabbit holes, like just stop. But it's extremely important to understand what is happening in your community because that is going to give you the, like I said, the kind of your your motivation, right? It's going to give you your motivation and passion to do something. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.